You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. I apologize a little about the uh, fan. We're trying to get it to shut off, but it seems to have a mind of its own. So can everybody hear all right? All right. Okay. So my partner, Brian, and I, we, we don't have any kids, but we do have a dog named Ogre and a, a cat named Janet. I've, I've preached about Janet before, in particular, my October 2015 sermon, All I Ever Needed to Know About the Gospel I Learned from My Cat. So if there's just too much dog for you today, all you uh, cat people, you can go home tonight and download that sermon. But I've never really uh, preached about our dog, Ogre, uh, because there just aren't a lot of obvious uh, dog gospel connections. That is, besides for today's reading, where we hear this strange verbal jousting between Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman, and it's all about dogs. So I spent a lot of my week paying attention to our dog, Ogre, and what I noticed is that the amount of food he eats is directly related to whose feet he is sitting at. <laughs> like if it's just me at home, Ogre will lie unenthusiastically on the floor by my feet because he knows his chances are slim. But if Brian is around, Ogre jumps up on his hind legs because he knows that a lot more food is going to get accidentally dropped on the floor. But the jackpot is when there are kids around. When kids are around, Ogre spins and leaps because chances are he won't just get scraps. He might even get the whole plate. Because he knows that kids are messy and inattentive eaters. Like the time we had a Christmas party at our house and I heard a lot of commotion from the back room, and so I walked into our bedroom to find all the church kids piled into our bed, feeding Ogre directly from their plates in their laps. (laughs) They were delighted, and they were delighted because Ogre was delighted. Kids just aren't as concerned with holding on to their food, especially when there's a cute little dog around. I thought a lot about Ogre's feast with the kids this week as I read our gospel for today. Because I've always wondered why Jesus says all that stuff about dogs and kids, especially in the face of this desperate mother who comes from the wrong country and who worships the wrong God and falls at Jesus' feet and begs him to heal her daughter. I mean, Jesus was all about feeding and healing the wrong people. And so it's all the more jarring when he tells this mother, it's not fair to take the children's food and feed it to the dogs. 
Like, what happened to the Jesus from just a few verses earlier, from last Sunday, the Jesus who went to bat for the disciples when a bunch of super uptight, by-the-book religious guys crashed their dinner party because they weren't using the church-approved hand sanitizer before eating? Because Jesus is all about calling us out when we just get too big for our britches and start thinking that everything we do is good, 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 and everything those other people do is just bad, bad, bad. And it's not in just this story. The Gospels are full of examples that show that Jesus just doesn't have time for all the ways that we justify ourselves and condemn others because of imaginary lines we draw on a map or what passport we hold or who our people are. Which makes it stick out like a sore thumb when, like out of nowhere, it it seems like Jesus suddenly morphs into a total jerk and says, it's not fair to take the children's food and feed it to the dogs. But here's the thing. Jesus is right. It's not fair. It's not fair if, if we believe that God is like some divine parent who divides the world into people who are God's children and others who are just dogs. It's not fair if we think God made the world and then carved it up into good places and bad places and to the right people and the garbage people And that God places all the garbage people at the feet of the right people. And that the only hope for all the wrong people is that perhaps they might beg like a dog and that maybe, just maybe, a shred of goodness will fall from the hands of the right people and momentarily give them a taste of what it's like to be a true child of God. So Jesus is right. It's not fair to take away the children's food if that's the way that we see God. If we think God gives a flip about fairness. But that's not the way the Syrophoenician woman sees God. And I suspect that she knew that Jesus didn't see God that way either. I suspect she knew that when Jesus crossed the border from Israel to Syria that day, worn down from all the ways his own people saw themselves as better than others, that he was ready, that he was ready for someone whose heart was truly open to the way that God actually is. And that God isn't the divine cafeteria worker portioning out perfect scoops of mashed potatoes, making sure they land perfectly on the right child's plate without any falling by the, by the wayside. No. God is like the child whose table manners are so bad that more food is bound to end up on the floor than in her own belly. God is like the kids I found at our party who sits down on the ground and puts her plate in her lap and is delighted as she watches Ogre eat up every last crumb of all her food. That's what God is like. God doesn't care about fairness. God cares about us getting fed. And so when the Syrophoenician woman snaps back at Jesus and says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from under the children's table. She's not correcting Jesus. 
She's telling us what God is actually like. She's locating God in Jesus' own metaphor. Because if anyone had been listening to Jesus at all, he makes one thing very clear. And that's that God isn't fair. God is merciful. And because God is merciful, God has not made some of us children and others of us dogs. She made all of us dogs. All of us. The queers and the suburbanites, the racist politicians and the vegan activists, those who eat kale and those who eat casseroles, the Christians and the Muslims, we all sit at the feet of the same God and wait for the same crumbs. But I often think that I'm deserving of more than crumbs. I think I'd be better off if God were fair instead of merciful. Because maybe, maybe then I'd get to have the prime rib rather than just crumbs, the prime rib that I feel I worked so hard for, that I deserve and someone else does not. But Jesus, he tells me that this kind of thinking, that it just doesn't pass the smell test. Because he calls attention to the way that my heart and every human heart skew our vision of the universe towards ourselves and our needs and away from everybody else's. And this skewing of things, this crack in our lens, is what we call sin. But it's what social scientists call cognitive bias. Cognitive bias is this funny thing that explains why when I've lost a job or I've flunked an exam, I'm likely to say it's because things aren't fair. It's because I got screwed. But when I hear that someone else lost a job or flunked an exam, it's because they're lazy. They just didn't work hard enough. Even when it's the exact same job or the exact same exam, they're just a screw-up, but for me, the system is rigged. And my point here is not to say that the system is not rigged, because we all know that it is. It's just that I'm willing to bend over backwards to see myself and people like me in the best possible light. But I do the opposite for those on the other side of the aisle, for all the people that I think are totally wrong. Because in those moments, I want God to be fair. And I think that if God were fair, I think that I'd be a lot better off. But the rock star of today's gospel, the Syrophoenician woman, she snaps back at Jesus because she knows that fairness has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. She throws herself at Jesus' feet because she knows he's all about feeding the wrong people. Because we're all the wrong people. That no one is in because that no one is out because we are all in. And that the true magic of life isn't found in all the stuff we think we've earned or in all the prime rib we may or may not get along the way, but in the crumbs that fall from the hands of God. It's in those moments 
where we are surprised by that tiny thing we thought could never fill us up, but it actually does. Like when we lose the job or the house or the boyfriend we thought we deserved, but then realize that what we really needed was the grace that flows into the loss and shows us that we never really needed that thing to begin with. Because God is not found in our fantasies of fairness. God is found when those fantasies are shattered. And the line between you and me and us and them gets blown apart. And we see that God is showering down those same crumbs of love and mercy on all of us. But crumbs that will fill us up with eternal life. Which is precisely why we are gathered around this table today. We are gathered here for a feast of crumbs. We are gathered here with all our shattered dreams of fairness, waiting for these crumbs that are soaked in grace. Because the God who is in this place is the God who feeds us from her very own plate and whose food is herself and whose body is for all. Because God is not fair. God is merciful without exception. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.